Welcome back to another session of Sports Sesh. I'm Guy Young, and these guys are just guys. Now, I want to just jump right into hot topics. Earliest memory of Dirk, it was probably probably a year he was playing with Steve Nash. I kept hearing somebody named Dirt, like with a T, so I was like, why is there a dude named Dirt in the league? And then I, you know, I found out he was actually pretty good, so. Constantly forget whether or not I tweeted this thing, said this thing in a conversation, or said this thing on air in a, in a podcast. And I'm not talking about you know particular statement. Just I can't remember what platform or if I made opinions public a lot of the time. So I just assume everybody knows everything that I've ever said about basketball or even thought. Yeah, or even thought. Maybe I thought about tweeting it. Thought about bringing it up on a podcast. But uh, now that you're living, you're swimming in it with uh, Morning Drive and all the other responsibilities. And you write, so that's a whole other uh, avenue of nonsense to kind of, kind of file away. Um, does that happen to you like every day, hour by hour? It does happen a lot. It, it Actually, it should happen more, given that the different things that I do are very different, and mm. that some of the stuff that we talk about on It's Just Banter would get me fired from all my other jobs. Right. And the stuff that I write on theathletic.com, which you should go subscribe to. Yeah. I would tweet that out, but currently, <laughs> currently I can't. Theathletic.com slash four-pointer if that hyperlink is still going. I don't know. Yeah. And that stuff that I write there is very rarely usable on the air because, you know, it's usually fairly deep numbers that you can't maybe explain so easily on right. the air. And it helps for this. The research I do for that helps for this, but... Have we gotten further along in being able to explain really intricate stats over radio? Because I feel like that was one of the challenges I always ran into. No, and that's not that's not a, a message receiver or sender problem. That's just the mere fact that you don't have a lot of time. Yeah. And if you don't have a lot of time, you have to use a shorthand of a way to explain things as you can. And I think sometimes people forget that, and it makes it for, to me, I don't I don't like when people try to get too deep. Yeah, uh, into stats on the air. You, I, Some you're not going to do say, it really well, but you're not going to say percentile on the air because you're assuming a lot. I mean, there are a lot of people right. who have jobs where they just don't have to deal in that sort of thing. It doesn't mean they're dumb. It just means they've never talked in that language or had to learn in that language. To me, I think it's a very helpful way yeah. to describe. Once you have a common where understanding you are in the population, but of I, this collection of vocabulary that we can all bounce back and forth, I feel like you take the next step. Next step as a uh, an educated fan base, but getting people to do that is, I don't know, it's probably the the ultimate battle. And at the same time, people don't like, uh, I don't mind at all, but there are a lot of people who have a real problem with statistics that they can't yeah. write out with their hand and do with a calculator. Mm -hmm. But I don't care about that. No. Nah. Because most often times they sort of reflect what I think I'm seeing. And so then I say, oh, okay, well. Uh, this player's offensive rating is, look, Dwight Powell's offensive rating is very high. Mm -hmm. He's, I don't, he's I don't a good be, offensive player. I don't need to be able to write that down. Right. Uh, boy, it is very high, too. 126. My God. Woo. Yeah. He can he can play some offense. So, anyways, uh, I do it, but I think I'm, I'm not good at a lot of things, but I think I am pretty good at keeping all of that separate. Okay. Yeah, and there's a, there's a whole deeper conversation of uh, do you think the old adage, I don't know if it was a study or something, somehow it got spoken into the universe and it became law of most people don't like learning new things after age 30. 
Yeah. It's like they don't like listening to new music after age 30. All truth. I think that's kind of going away, though. You think? Just slowly. Yeah. I mean, I feel like if someone's talking above my head about something, I just want to understand it. And maybe that's just insecurity and feeling dumb. But uh, I feel like that's kind of going out out the door. want some ice cream. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, hey, it's, it's the four-pointer. It's, uh, it's Mike. It's Jake. Um, I Hopefully I don't sound too much like a frog. I'm basically just a combination of cough meds and Mucinex and Z-Pack and steroids and a lot of caffeine right now. But nice. that's all right because I'm here talking basketball with my good friend Jake. And uh, things are still okay. I know we've lost two in a row, and Twitter. The, the tough patch <laughs> is about to hit. This road trip is just a gnarly son of a bee. Uh, in the next 12 or next 11 games, uh, if you count yesterday, this 12-pack this is kind of what's going to describe your entire season whenever you look back on it. Um, so the vitals, I guess let's tease the show. A couple things I wanted to touch on a little bit. We'll, we'll rehash uh, Atlanta, Phoenix, and Sacramento games pretty quickly. Um, one of the things I've kind of been struggling to do this season is put Luca's year in context because people can look at him and go, Oh, cool. There's memeable moments. There's a, you know, you put together a highlight reel of any game and there's like a couple wows and, but what does his exact data mean at this age with this usage? So I did a little bit of a deep dive. It's not gonna get too nerdy. I just wanted to look at guys that were his age, 19 had a usage like him, 26%, and what that player turned into. Um, so I did a little bit of study on that, and we'll get into some of that. Some of the other topics we'll touch on is uh, what one skill or type of player would you like to pair with him or add to his game that would unlock him the most? Uh, we'll review Dirk's first two games and then talk about some of the injury issues that are kind of uh, making it difficult to win basketball games right now. Um, so the vitals are 15 and 13, 13 and three at home, broke the home win streak last night with the Kings who are a fascinating team to me. And now we're, uh, on the outside of the playoff picture looking in, if you want to drive yourself insane and check that every other day. Um, but I guess let's start with last night since it's hot on our minds. Um, I understand if you just turn the TV off and unplug the damn thing from the wall after the Cowboy game, that's, I get it. <laughs> that was, that was a hard watch. Uh, you might not have had a stomach for another two to three hours of, of sports viewing after that, but the Kings came in here, and uh, I didn't know where that roster was going for a long time, and especially after, you know, Collie Stein, Kufis, um, filling Harry Giles' draft, and they trade Boogie. I'm like, this is kind of a directionless franchise. And what they've done very quietly is drafted really well and put together a team that's super-duper interesting to me. They hired a good coach that's yeah. pliable and willing to yes, change his style based on the personnel on hand. Yeah. I mean, he was in Memphis before this, so it's nothing like this team that they're rolling out with the Kings. But in the matter of, I don't know, how how long has he been there? One season? One, one and a quarter now, I guess? Dave Yeager, who this, we're speaking of? Yeah, the, I think this is his second year. Yeah, his second year. And that team is complete 180 of what it was whenever he got there. Third I mean, year. Third year? I was thinking to myself, I knew that uh, Take That for Data didn't only have one year in Memphis, so that makes sense. Yeah. So yeah, third year. I mean, he brought last year, was it beginning of last year, that soon, whenever they brought in Zach Randolph, George Hill, were slapping max offers on Otto Porter, just kind of a directionless, looking for something to market kind of team and roster. And now, um, one of the guys who I was very, very high on uh, coming out of the draft and deer and Fox and maybe not as high as I recall now. Cause now he's a good player Had a really rough rookie season and 19 year old point guards usually don't add to winning that much. He didn't at all. And his numbers were probably worse than Dennis's last year in terms of effective field goal percentage and the like, uh, still not a great shooter, but that dude has got the juice, man. I don't know that I would say he's still not a great shooter. He's at least passable. Yeah, I just I don't have faith in it. Like he spots up for a three, and I'm like, you won that possession, defense. I just didn't have faith in it last night. Maybe if he would have hit a couple more, that just would have been you know recency bias. So would have gone, yeah, yeah, okay, Darren can shoot now. Almost at forty percent on is he really three attempts a game? Damn, son. I That's mean, not- it's not a huge volume, you know. I mean, they 
it's half of what Buddy's taking and at right. a lower percentage, but you can deal with that. Yeah, oh yeah, for sure. <laughs> but uh, real fascinating roster. Um, De'Aaron Bogdan's playing really well. I know he didn't play very well last night. Buddy Heald, I mean, if you're going to let Buddy Heald come in here and drop near 30 on you, that's going to be a long night for you. And then Bialitsa. Um, Three Bialitsa. <laughs> <laughs> I thought... I know he has a lot of limitations, and I know he doesn't fit on every team, but being able to step out to 30 feet, play both ends at an acceptable rate, um, that dude is, he's, he's, a, he's a lineup unlocker. And uh, then you throw in uh, Big Bill, Big Bill Collystein, and that's a fun little team they got there. And they weren't even, you know, they were without Bagley and uh, Shump last night. So they've got a pretty fascinating young roster that they're building, not that they could ever you know, add a max free agent on top of that and take it to the next level. But um, they've kind of hit the fast forward button. I would go so far as to say that they have now won the DeMarcus Cousins trade. Okay. what I don't even remember what was in that. I know his Buddy Heald was the, the crux of it. Yeah, but Buddy Heald looks like a dude who can be good for a long time. In yeah. The... He's a little bit older than you think, though. He is older. You know, if <laughs> this gotta... happened... Two years ago, I'd be like, yeah. They got but, a 2017 first. Okay. Was that De'Aaron or was that... Uh, let's see. They also... Um, who's the other foreign guy they drafted and just... What, Papayanis maybe or something like that? I can't remember. They had a complete washout as a 12th or 13th overall pick um, in the last couple of years. But anyway, they, they go. They, they play with some juice. They take it off a of make... You can hear, and, you can literally hear their bench yelling "Go, go, go!" during a broadcast. Yes, almost to an annoying degree. Yeah, but uh, they play in a pretty impressive, pretty exciting brand of basketball. And if you've watched Mavericks games of late, the the few times that we look like a team that um, just ain't got it tonight, it's when a team consistently runs it right up our backside. And the Kings will take it off a make, advance it to half court like that, and then De'Aaron Fox is in your grill and at your rim. And it's just uh, something we don't have a solve for right now. There's no real way around it. Like, there are games where we don't look like we have the right parts. It looks like we're playing a different game. It's whenever the other team just constantly pushes it in transition. And that happened last night. And uh, what what was a really good Luka game um, – 28-9 and 6 and a steal, I believe, which has only been done by five other teenagers in NBA history. Kind of got overshadowed. And the fun moment of Dirk walking on the court with Luca and them spending a couple minutes together and uh, the photo op that was uh, kind of got overshadowed by we've still got some serious issues and I don't know how much of a chance we have a lot of nights if your top two point guards are out. Yeah, I mean, I think everybody wants to take runs at Dennis, but he's still a guy who has proven himself so far this season to be at least an average defender, mm -hmm. which I maybe Brunson is, maybe isn't, but he's done it a lot less than Smith has. And he's a guy who can run up and down the floor with Sacramento. Yeah. Brunson doesn't have that sort of foot speed. No, and, and so and then you find yourself playing a lineup with basically who can run in that starting lineup. Luke is not boot beating anybody in a foot race. No, Collie Stein could make it down and back before Jordan could. Yeah, uh, and so it's just a little bit of a weird. It's a little bit of a weird so, sort of slow, crafty, but sort of slow starting lineup that whenever you have to play a team like Sacramento. Or even a team like Phoenix. I don't know what their pace numbers are. They actually seem to play really slow to me, but they are really, really energetic. Mm -hmm. uh, that's not going to go well for you. And then you go to the bench unit where you've been making up for all sorts of other problems. And without Berea, and as you try to work Dirk back in, your bench isn't necessarily even all that good. Now that scoring-wise, they're better, way better than the Kings bench, but mm -hmm. not enough to make up for... 0 for 4 from 3 from Brunson and 1 of 5 from 3 from Doncic, although he did get to the line 14 times. So, yeah, that's – uh you. and the other thing is is that when – I kind of thought last year, and I think I did something at The Athletic on this, where if you looked at the, the end of the year when the Mavericks were starting Dwight Powell 
And maybe it was that partially they were playing teams that don't that didn't really care all that much because it was like the end of the year. Harrison Barnes's assist numbers started to tick up ever so slightly. Mm-hmm. And he went from, I don't know, one and a half to three a game. And his passes, he had more passes. He was running more pick and rolls. He was actually showing signs of possibly being someone who can be a tertiary ball handler and playmaker. Well, that has died. Yeah. Because now you would like to think that if you're without J.J. and you're without Smith Jr., that he would be a secondary ball handler with Luca out there, and when the ball goes to Harrison, it dies. It's it's getting a shot shot attempt. It's insane. Yeah, it's it's every time, and whenever when the team is whole, and that's kind of all they need him to do. It's fine. It's totally fine. It's I mean he's a, just a you don't consider him a role player because the one role he does is the one they keep track of, and uh, they judge whether you won or lost the game by that. Um, in terms of scoring. So you don't consider him a role player. Because he scores him, 20 points. Yeah, because he scores 20-plus on the reg. Um, but it's when... Okay, I said at the beginning, beginning of the year, whenever this roster got finalized, I don't think this is that good of a shooting team on paper. If you measure it against the other 30 in the league, I bet we're closer to 20th or so uh, than we are 10. Just pure talent... Across the board, shooting statistics. You got a bunch of dudes that are going to shoot 36, 37, 38% from three. Um, the shot creation from three isn't that great. And then whenever you take Dennis out of the mix, and you take Bray out of the mix, and your ball movement and your flow kind of gets a little bit tighter, then you become what you've seen the last two nights, which is 14 made threes in two games. I think they somehow shot better last night than they did uh, the 15% against Phoenix. Yeah, 26% last night, which is a drastic uptick compared to what they did in Phoenix. But I mean, overall, they're about an average three-pointing shooting team this year. Yeah. They take a lot of the fifth most percentage, but that's not really telling the whole story because, like you said, they're, it's basically two or three different teams Yeah, <clears throat> that all – aggregated together are arriving at the 17th highest field goal percentage from three, but yeah, it's definitely way different. And man, you can look this up. I mean, if you look at drive numbers and then you look at what people do with their drives, for example, Dennis drives 11.2 times a game and passes 39% of the time. That's a really high number and it's really good. Mm -hmm. I think he's pretty solid at that. He doesn't get to the line much, but he does create points for others. Luca. Uh, almost 12 a game, passes 34% of the time. Harrison Barnes still being able to get to the rim six times a game is pretty good yeah. as a third guy. That's not bad if you're the third option as far as a guy who's got the ball in your hands. The problem is he has the lowest pass-out rate of anyone on the team at 12.9%. So basically he feels that whenever he drives, 90% of the time the best <laughs> option is him going to the rim he doesn't really draw free throws. No, and he, I don't think he did himself any favors with those comments about, uh, yeah, I've been talking to the head of officiating, trying to figure out how do I get free throws. Yeah, that's... You know, that's not... That's a guy that's frustrated, and, you know, taken out of context, the quote sounds worse than it is. He's, you know, Harrison Barnes is the nicest dude on earth. He's not. He didn't say it with any vitriol in his voice. He's just like, I'm literally getting beat up every time I drive and trying to figure out how I get to the free throw line on these because that's how he becomes a surplus value player, right? When he's scoring 25 a game and seven free throws are alongside that because his role right now is you're attack man, you're ISO man, you're a really advanced role player uh, for what we consider. But whenever the larger part I was kind of working around yeah. to is when Barnes is out there as one of your main creators, as one of your shot creators, uh, and Brunson is out there too, who you might look at Brunson and go, he's a point guard. You would think he has some playmaking uh ability he's he's yet to show that um and it's not his fault I mean this is his 25th professional game he's a second round pick it you know I don't expect Jalen Brunson to be an ultimate playmaker but when you have two spots um and those are probably the second and third shot creator on the court in that starting unit whenever Brunson's out there your offense just gets real iso heavy the ball movement dies People aren't creating drives to the lane with the intent 
of getting other people going. So if Harrison does get going, it's just Harrison that's going. When, Br- when Brunson does get going and starts getting to the paint and using his you know frame to get shots off, it's just Brunson getting going. Which is really not the case with Luca or Berea, and even to a certain extent, Dennis. Right. <clears throat> it's not. It's not a holistic. All boats are rising at this moment. It's you made a tough shot. Congratulations. Yeah. Like I'll let you take it four more times. There's a reason DeAndre Jordan only had eight points last night. Yes. And part of it, he's four from seven from the field. Whatever. He didn't get to the line, but uh, I mean, there was a brief stretch where Luca was absolutely in charge. Yeah. Um, and you can tell. <clears throat> that's why, like we talked about it last week, that. You don't really need to see much else really from him or from anybody to feel good about where they're headed. There are times where I think it was in the second quarter. Yeah. Where you had Luca in the paint, Luca, uh, assist the pal layup, Luca assisted Deandre dunk, Luca, uh-huh. 23 foot step back. Um, I mean, he was in full command of their offense for about three or four minutes there and, and got them, uh, back up, I think. Yeah, they took a. Yeah, I think that was when they went back up. But he also can't do it for very long right now. Right. Because Buddy needs the Versa climber. Yeah. He is yeah. clearly gassed yeah. at certain stretches of these games. You, I mean, clearly. You, you, you see it in stretches of games and you see it on back to backs as well. Yeah. Where it's like, okay, there's conditioning, there's pro athlete conditioning, and then there's elite pro athlete conditioning. And De'Aaron Fox is like, okay. I feel like that dude could run full speed and just run suicides yep. for four hours and be fine with it and decelerate and push the pace and not turn the ball over, which is so incredible about Sacramento right now is they just don't turn it over. They push the pace like they do, and they're insane, and they're good at controlling the basketball. But whenever Dennis isn't there, we're already playing at kind of a subdued pace compared to what we did the first couple weeks, which I think was just kind of a test. It was kind of a trial run of Barnes isn't here. Let's crank it up a little bit. And then he gets back, and okay, fewer possessions per game. Um, it took the Kings running the pace they did, I think, to get us to, up to like a normal pace for a team. And when Dennis isn't there, and he's not pushing the ball off a miss and getting it over the half court with four seconds into the shot clock, man, no one pushes it. We don't have that kind. That That's not our DNA. Um, and it's just really difficult for stretches of games if Luka's not out there, uh, or even if he's winded. And he's just taking the offensive possession off in the corner. We just there's not much flow to it. Um, so if you play a team, that was that was like not a scheduled loss, but if I look back at that, I'm gonna go, why do we why the Kings beat us so bad at home this night? And then I'm gonna go, Oh yeah, Dennis was out. Oh yeah, JJ was out. And you don't really have an appreciation for how much influence those guys have in the basketball game until you watch a game like that. And, you know, if you look at the European schedule, there are stretches where they're in tournament play, where they're playing every other day. Yeah. But they never play back-to-backs. Right. And it's 40-minute games, too, right? It is 40-minute games. And sometimes they get they regularly get a week off. And then they'll play the next weekend, like a Thursday, Saturday, uh, or I don't know, like Wednesday, Friday, Sunday. They don't. But I've looked at his game logs, and there are no back-to-back games. And there yeah. are intermittently, they'll just be like, hey, we're off for eight days. Yeah. And that'll happen every couple months. Yeah. So the every other day thing when they're playing a series is NBA-ish. But it's not the same thing as playing back-to-backs, and it's no surprise why they've lost all four of them so far this year. Yeah. Um, okay, so that's all I had on the Kings game. But uh, Phoenix, I don't, I don't know. <laughs> it was just a weird-ass game. I think Dennis sat um, uh, unexpectedly. Wasn't that the game he played in? No, I think he sat that one. Let me double check. I know Berea had missed that one. but uh, Yeah, because whatever's going on with Dennis right now is really weird. Well, he played uh, in the Phoenix game. He played in the Phoenix game. Yeah. He, oh, yeah, he just he, wasn't very good. Yeah, He was terrible. Yeah. He looked like he was still hurt. Yeah. They, didn't st- uh, they did start him. He played 27 minutes. He had five turnovers to one assist. Yeah, four Couldn't points. Couldn't shoot. Uh, didn't get to the line one time. That's why I thought about it. I, I, yeah. I thought this is the game you shouldn't have played. Right. <laughs> yeah, it was really weird. to put, I mean, I thought it was weird. That's the game Dirk played. Yeah. That was, Both uh, of those are weird. And then t- to have Dennis come back and not play last night, Yeah, something something's up. It's it, His wrist is kind of permanently messed up right now. Um, he, he showed me. Like, I... He talked about it. He said, why did you, um, was it after the Phoenix game? 
it had to be after the Phoenix game. Yeah, it was a whatever the hell Saturday um, yeah. practice, and we talked to him, and uh, we asked why'd you play you know, in the Phoenix game if your wrist is still hurt, and he goes, I don't, I don't know, I don't know. Uh, it's because I can tell I can tell him why why the coaches wanted him to play because no one else pushes the pace. Yeah. Um. You know, there's not that much athleticism on the team without him, and they need him. But you also have to have a point guard that can shoot the basketball without fear of it hitting the shot clock on top of the basket. You know what I mean? Which is almost what happened on that three. Yeah. I mean, he hit the backboard and it was ugly. He doesn't trust his wrist right now, and they're still trying to win games and trying to put the best roster and lineup out there on a night-to-night basis. So they want him to play, but you just can't have your maybe second most important shot creator, uh, or third, depending on where you want to make, rank Barnes and Donchitz, et cetera, in that starting lineup, um, not trust his shot at all. And that's what's happening. And he showed me. I asked him, I go, well, what would you do? And he goes, I fell on it um, that initial game that he missed. Uh, maybe the Brooklyn, maybe heard it in the Brooklyn game or missed, I can't remember. It was around that time. Miss Boston. Yeah. And he came over there and he showed me, he rolled his wrist and it pops. Oh, brother, every, I know that. Every time he, every time he rolls it. And I think it's just like a long-term thing where you need to not play basketball for like two weeks, completely recover. Um, but he's healthy enough and everything else and still brings a little something to the game, even if he can't shoot. So it's this weird balance. And we really don't have the point guard depth to sit him. You think J.J. Bray is great, and, um, you know, he's probably runner-up or somewhere in the running for six-man of the year thus far in the season, but... This happens every year. You can't throw him into the starting lineup. Oh, I was going to say he's going to miss time every year. Oh, yeah, he is. There's, I mean, he, yeah, inevitable. Yes, but you can't you can't throw him into the starting lineup because he's so functional with the bench, and he's such a, you know, a key to that. So you're just in a bad spot. And there's no way around it. Well, I'll tell you, I don't know I don't know what the on-off numbers are or what the lineup numbers are. And I would imagine if they're not doing this, they're probably not very good. <clears throat> I can't recall how many times they tried it, but give me three wings, DeAndre and Luca, because Finney Smith will pass. Yeah. Uh he doesn't have the ball all that much to pass. He's a puck I, mover. But I would rather play him with the starting lineup than Brunson. Yeah. Now the problem with that is now I have no wings on the bench and I'm forced to <laughs> broke off minutes. <laughs> broke off minutes or play three guard lineups with Powell and Kleba. Yeah. Because I still wonder if they would ever see any sort of situation where they could play like in this situation it would be if uh I guess if Berea were healthy. Mm. But if you had if they would ever play uh Dirk, Powell, and Kleba together. Yeah, that'd be really weird. It would be really weird, but I think Powell can guard or uh, Kleba can guard a lot of wings. Yeah, and I think they can all three kind of shoot. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I don't so, trust Powell's shot right now. No, and I don't. I don't. Honestly. Maxie's hasn't been great either. No, but, he's he's falling up, but he's still taking them like with confidence and like makes you guard him out of the three point line. But even if he's just your big, yeah, uh, and you're not looking at him as a shooter, that's still kind of interesting to me. But I don't know. I just like I like Finney Smith playing with Luca. Yeah. And I like I said, I don't have the numbers in front of me. I can look it up real quick, but to me that just gives you a little more a little more length and and I guess Brunson will eventually have a pretty good shot, but Yeah, his I don't I'm not in love with his shot right now either. I never I have been. I don't feel like they respect it much. But he does so much other stuff, like Yeah. When he's good, he he he's a playmaker. He gets other people involved. It's just whenever the game gets tight and there's 10 seconds in the shot clock. He kind of abandons that and goes back to, you know, I'm going to use my body. I'm bigger than most of these point guards, which he, I mean, he's a little dude compared to most other guys in the court, but he's strong enough and thick enough where he can still get a shot off in the lane, which is on most possessions a plus, but it ends up being a real difficult shot. And, uh, you're just in a weird spot with your shot creation right now. Cause you're asking a lot of Luca you're asking him to play last like last night every game, which is score 28, dish out nine assists. Play against a team that's number one in pace defensively. Yes, and that's not really fair to him, and I don't know how many nights he can replicate that kind of production, but, uh, I mean, you're going to just short-circuit at times, and that's kind of what we've seen. 
And I don't know what the answer is for Dennis. Like, I don't know if it's a, they're actually going to sit him for an extended period of time. I don't know if he just fights through it and just play and shoot when you have to. Don't, you know, look for a step back three. Don't, you know, run plays for him in which he's shooting threes. But when he and Bray aren't out there, I don't, I don't have any answers on the roster for you. And things are about to get pretty weird. Um, this, By the way, the lineup that I was just mentioning is getting murdered. Is it? <laughs> Jordan, Matthews, <laughs> Barnes, Finney, Smith, Doncic. It's only played 43 minutes, but it's, oh, not, it's too small. It's not good. Yeah, that, that was probably in like a one one or two really bad games. By that same token, Jordan, Barnes, Finney, Smith, Smith Jr., and Doncic is pretty good. Yeah. Very good, actually. Yeah, so I don't know. I, I feel like I'm talking myself into scenarios right now on nights if – one or two things break completely right, like Denver coming up, right? So Millsap's out. Uh, Gary Harris is out. Will Barton's out. I'm talking myself into going up to Denver and stealing a win, maybe. And then I'm talking myself into, we match up really well with the Clippers. Like, let's take that one. But the overall theme or goal, I think, is you got 12 games, now 11 left, um, and you lost one to Phoenix that you probably shouldn't have lost. Um, And I just... We can't get buried in this next two or three weeks. You got to be five and seven, four and eight in this stretch. You can't have a, a one and 11. You can't waste all that goodwill you built up over the last month going 12 and four um, from November 3rd or whatever it was to December uh, 5th or 6th because you made some ground. You made some hay. You were 15 and 11 at one point. And if you, if all that just washes out over the next, you know, two weeks or so, because Bray is out, Dennis is hurting because of just, you know, external stuff other than putting the best lineup forward. And that's going to be a real bummer narrative on this season, which I think they've done enough good to where I'm extremely positive about how you build this thing further. Yeah. I still think the, Odds are that they don't have enough juice to get in. Yeah. Whether it's uh, Luca hitting a wall, um, which I was really, it's really great that when we talk about nights where his shot is not on, he almost had a triple-double the other night. Or when he looks gassed, he still had 28 and 9 or whatever. Yeah, or when he played like crap for three quarters against Houston. Exactly. He still went nitro. Exactly. That I almost think that's more reassuring than if he was just a solid B. Yeah throughout every game and every quarter because clearly he's not. I mean, he goes through stretches where it, it looks it looks pretty gross. Uh-huh. And I think that's probably going to, at some point, catch up to them, um, just the schedule and how brutal things can get over uh, an 82-game season. Then you factor in you, that you just don't know what the situation with Berea is. I haven't seen any timetable on him. I think he's fine. This is like a turned ankle, Yeah, um, which he did celebrating. <laughs> Yeah, heading uh, back to the bench. Yeah, jogging back to the bench, doing something silly. We don't know when Smith Jr. is going to be back, but I would say that until he has a prayer from getting back to what he was doing at the start of the year from three, he shouldn't be playing. Yeah. There's really just no point. I know what you're saying about uh, why they do it and that they need it, but there's just there's no reason to have him out there if, if you don't have to at all respect his shot. Because uh-huh. that's kind of what he was working towards. Um, You know, he... He had a stretch where, let's see, from the Utah game so to the Memphis game, on four attempts a night, he was shooting 47% from three. That's crazy. And that's 11 games, but he's played 21 on the season. So yeah. Half the games. Even if he's just kind of in that mix of 36 to 39%, and he can do the other things he does, he has to be out there. But if he can't do that, he probably doesn't need to play. Yeah. Now, that's obviously compounded by not having Berea. Mm-hmm. But without him, without knowing when Berea is coming back and what I expect from Luca at some point, this is all fine. And probably more than anything, every win they get, uh, I just think of, what's his name? Uh, is it Travis Sawchuk? I'm not familiar with that human being. Uh, the, <clears throat> no way, that's a baseball player. <laughs> Who am I thinking of? I don't know. Travis Shaw is a third baseman of <clears throat> Brewers. Travis Schlenk, the GM of the Hawks. Oh, okay. Every time they win and hang around eight or nine, I just think of them getting 
like Jonte Porter <laughs> or somebody at 15 or yeah. 17 or thir- whatever it is uh-huh. that ends up in the G League and that they basically just traded Trey Young for Luka. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I just want our pick to be as good as it can be, yes. or as bad as it can be, really. Yeah. So that they have to reckon with what they with the disrespect. <laughs> yeah. Another Hawks University player. Yeah. Um But I don't think they're getting in. No, I mean storylines can change pretty quickly, obviously. Um and we haven't even hit trade trade season uh quite yet. Um but one one to put a bow on the Dennis thing. I realize why that affects his turning of his wrist and it popping is so negative because I don't know if you've watched him shoot since he's been here and how he's changed his shot, but this off season, uh, he started basically. So I guess natural shooting is just, you know, push the ball up backwards rotation, throw the ball at the basket. Like it's not that difficult for a lot of people for him. He was pushing off a lot from the side of the ball. And so he started right when he would shoot, his arms would start going up and he'd rotate his hand like 15 degrees behind the basketball, right? So it's such a quick, precise, it takes 200 shots a day reworking your shot type thing. And I'm sure whenever he turns his wrist in that last second to get it behind the basketball squarely. Yeah, I'm sure that's the motion that hurts. And he keeps falling on the damn thing. Yeah. That's the (laughs) issue. He does go to the ground a lot. He keeps keeps jumping super high and launching and being Dennis Smith um, and... He keeps falling on the damn thing. So I don't know what the answer is right now besides just get it right. Because as much as we need his his pace, his speed, his quick early offense, the stuff, the easy buckets he gets us, and his defensive activity has been awesome. And he talked about that a lot. He talked about, okay, my shot hasn't been falling, and I know I have to contribute in other ways. And he's been getting in passing lanes. He's been creating fast break opportunities and, you know, all of the above. But he's got to get right. He has to. There's there's no way around it. I don't know if that's a week. I don't know if that's two weeks. I don't know if that's, you know, don't go on this road trip type thing. But anyway, okay, so next topic I want to touch on was exactly what we're seeing from Luka Doncic. Um, so I wanted to look at, I started at rookie seasons, 26% usage, which is where I think his uptick a little bit last night. I think it's 26-1 now. Uh, after last night's game. So there have only been 36 rookies ever in the NBA that have had a 26% usage. Some of them I just kind of mark off. I just write straight all the way out because there's David Robinson at age 24, um, Mitch Richmond, age 23, Ron Harper, age 23, um, Isaiah Ryder, 22, Michael Jordan's in here, of course, at age 21. But I kind of wanted to see you're this young, you're getting this much usage. Do you usually have as positive an impact as he's having? And kind of make a roadmap for him, right? So at 19 years old, there are three players in NBA history that have ever had a 26% usage or higher at 19 years old. That is Kevin Durant, LeBron James, and Carmelo Anthony. Ooh. Uh, let's see. KD was Barely a positive his rookie season. Um, Vorp, he's a .4. Um, let me see if I can win shares. He's a .040. Uh, LeBron was a super positive his rookie season. 3.1 Vorp. Um, win shares. Um, where'd I go? There it is. Okay, uh, .078. Carmelo was a pretty good positive. So for reference of what Luca's doing, let me pull up his basketball reference page because I actually closed it. Um, I think he's a, let's see, advanced. Win shares, he's already a 1.5 through what he's played 27 games because he missed one. So he's probably going to pass LeBron. Yeah. Uh, Vorpi's a 0.7. Now go back to that page. Kevin Durant was a 0.4 his entire rookie season. 80 games. Lucas played 27. He's already had a better rookie season in his first 27 games, more effective season than Kevin Durant did. He's probably going to pass LeBron in terms of VORP and win win share. Um, it's just extreme. And then you, okay, so you drop down the list, just a little bit of reference. There are a lot of 20-year-olds that have done it, but it's like 
Trey Young, who is having a negative effect on winning right now. It's Dennis Smith Jr., who was a negative in win shares and VORP last year. Uh, Harry Giles, who's just stagnant this year. He's a he's a zero zero basically. Right. There's Boogie. There's a couple dudes down here at age twenty, uh, like Michael Beasley, who's a complete negative his rookie season. Brandon Jennings and Tyreek Evans are kind of the outlier outliers that scare me. Um, but I feel like those guys are kind of unique enough uh, where I don't see a direct comp with Tyreek or Brandon Jennings and Luka. They're playing on bad teams. They were forced to take a lot of shots, you know, et cetera. Those guys had decent rookie seasons, and then you see where their career went. But um, So I wanted to look at these guys, these rookies, this collection of guys that are doing very similar things to what Luka did, which is you're super young, but we trust you to have a 26-plus usage. Um, and just some more context for you. Uh, only 25 rookies have ever had a positive impact on their basketball team with that high of a usage. Ben Gordon is the highest usage ever at 30.4 with the Bulls. Michael Jordan has the best VORP at 8.1. And Luca, right now, if you stopped his season, just turn the thing off. He's got a, let's see, 0.7 VORP, 1.5 win share. That would rank. Where is pure win shares? There it is. 30th. 1.7, 1.7, yeah. He's tied for 29th. In terms of VORP, he had a .7, remember that? He would be, he would have the 23rd, tied for the 22nd best rookie season ever. Ever. Through 27 games. Yeah, Just well, so you get a feel. I mean, and he's not, he's going to end up right on pace with where we think he should be. He's going to be at about Four and a half win shares on the season. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, he'll end up being probably in the top 15 or so as far as heavy usage production in history. Yeah. And again, the top of this list is guys who are older Ralph Sampson, mm-hmm. Mitch Richmond, David Robinson. Yeah. And then everyone else is that's younger is headed to the Hall of Fame. Yes. The youngest one, I think, in this top... Well, LeBron at 19, obviously. Carmelo. Yeah, and then Shaq at... Uh, I'm looking in terms... I'm sorting by Vorp. So, Michael Jordan's number one. David Robinson, Tim Duncan. All those dudes were 21+. plus. Shaq at 20 was just... We're never going to see another player like Shaq. <laughs> I mean, Will Chamberlain and Shaq, it's just... Uh, you know, there's nothing to compare to. Um, but Shaq made the All-Star team his rookie season with 23.4 points... 13.9 rebounds. Uh, so this is the model that we're looking at. This type of player, this type of usage, um, and this type of production. Shaq had 15 All-Star games. Uh, Elton Brand's oddly enough up here, but I think he was a four-year Duke guy. Two All-Stars. Melo has, what does he have, 10 All-Star games. Tyreek never made one, oddly enough. Um, LeBron is, you know, LeBron. Brandon Jennings never made one, and those two are the outliers that I'm trying to, like, steer the... <laughs> ship away from yeah but that's a lot of injuries too yeah i and mean weird situations <clears throat> yeah very weird and beasley's on there as well but you know beasley's beasley and then kevin durant drugs sharif abdur rahim's on here one time all-star that's like the lowest <laughs> lowest bar you could possibly put is one time all-star uh career 18 point a game guy uh 21 points a game and then whenever he's with vancouver boogie makes this list as well who's obviously a four-time all-star two-time all-nba so this is the career arc for dudes that have done similar things to him at this age. And yeah, we're through 27 games and yeah, you can, whatever you can say, I'm jumping to conclusions. Um, but this is the data. This is exactly what has happened. And this is similar guys that it has happened to. And this is what their career turns out to be. So yeah, I'm a little bit of hype beasting, but yeah, but I think it's important because not to uh, to hate on anybody who uses the here's the list of players with this number of points, rebounds, assists, uh, three-point percentage. Again, to reference stats that you might not be able to compute with your hand, a pencil, and a calculator, these numbers tell a much better story about what you're actually doing on the floor because they're based on box scores Yeah, uh, and, and as it's adjusted for pace as well. So it's you know you're you're talking about 
uh, per 100 possessions and prorating it over a full season. And you're actually just figuring out how much you're contributing to winning as opposed to just some of these. Sometimes you can see, hey, this guy in his rookie year scored 20 points, had 10 rebounds, and three assists, and he was shooting this. But if you were on a team that was that was picking you because they were terrible, yeah, that doesn't mean near as much to me. Right. Now, the other thing is, I want to know more about Jay Vincent. <laughs> because Jay Vincent is also on this list. Yeah, 22-year-old Mav rookie. And here's how crazy this is to tell you how the game has changed. Jay Vincent, whose basketball reference page lists him with the nicknames Big Daddy, Fat, Di- uh, Fat Daddy, and Midnight Creeper. <laughs> In his rookie season, again, bad team. So that's why these numbers aren't, you know, you have to qualify him. Midnight Creeper. Why? He's got 21.4 points. What a player. Seven rebounds. Wow. Two and a half assists. There's got to be an injury in here, right? Uh, Oh, yeah. Because he's 21, 19 points, 11, and then 18, and then never gets above, like, 15 ever again. Yeah. He He washed out at, like... Age twenty seven. Well, if you look, I mean, if, yeah, you look at his uh, his his games played. I mean, he he played eighty one games, his first and second year, and then never really started again. It's crazy. Also, his Wikipedia page indicates that he was involved in an internet scam. Oh no, Jay! That uh, involved him defrauding twenty thousand people of more than two million dollars. Jay. He, uh, this is going to be episode one of my Mavs history podcast. I'm, I'm not kidding, start. dude. He, he did five years in jail. Damn, Jay. Yeah. Wow. I mean, we're going to, I'm legitimately going to start doing that over the off season though. Mavs, just the weirdest stories in Mavs history and dive into them. Leon. Jay, Jay, Vin- yeah. Jay Vincent might be top three. Jay Vincent was a Sparty star. Yeah. Um, and dude, you're averaging 21 and seven. I don't care how much you're contributing to winning. That is incredible as a rookie. Yeah. And, uh, he is on this list as someone who had pretty good advanced stats as well in 1981, 82. So that's a name that I've heard and knew nothing about. Oh, what I was going to say is not only are those his nicknames, his measurements are the exact same as Lucas. Do you think they played the same? Yeah, I bet they're the same exact player. As, uh, Jay Vincent made a total of four threes in his career. God Almighty! He went one for four his rookie season, and then wow, he got to, he got to twenty five percent of his total made threes. That's spectacular. Looking at some of these abbreviations that are on this list for teams, they don't even exist anymore. So that's pretty funny. Yeah, um, I think that's San Diego. I think there's a San Diego Chargers in here. <laughs> SDC. I don't know what that means for Mister Freeman Williams in seventy eight, seventy nine. No, it's uh, is that right? That I don't can't know. Be right. Let me click on the team. Hold on. I can figure it out real quick. I don't know why I'm being an idiot. Just click on the thing. Yeah, I'm a big fan of the... Sacramento, okay. So where'd they yeah, come yeah, from? Yeah, 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 yeah. There you go. And it just took me to, like, current Kings. That doesn't help. You know that doesn't help. Basketball reference. Fix this. But, uh, yeah, a lot of fascinating dudes on here. Um, just not that many like like Luca. There are three. Right. And it's our current, uh, you know, KD, who's running the league. Uh, LeBron, who thinks he's running the league. And then it's, you know, uh, Hoodie Mello, which whatever you think about Mello, Mello was a spectacular player for 10 seasons. Yeah. Um, the San Diego Clippers became the uh, Los Angeles Clippers in, awesome. 19, in uh, 1984. Do you know what our original Dallas franchise was? Uh, the Chaparrales. Yeah. Yeah, I've wanted to buy this shirt for a long time because it's a dope, dope logo. There's a rad Dallas one, too. But the problem is they became the Spurs. Yeah, they, so that's what I sucks. I don't know if I, I don't know if that's allowed or not. I think it is. I'm gonna fight for that. I'm pulling that. I'm pulling that back to for us because it it was the first professional basketball team in Dallas. Oh yeah, Mike's like, done story. Mike Reiner's done stories about this on the ticket before. I mean, that's it is just a a killer killer logo. It's pretty rad, and you never see the Spurs wear it. No, they've, they've worn the chaps before. Oh, they have. Yeah, but it was like five years ago. I w- but they also have. So they had the chaps one right. That's in the script. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's a little Roadrunner, whatever the hell their logo is, with an ABA ball. Yeah, but they also have a script Dallas one. That's re- the red and the blue outline. And it's full on authentic, like original drawing script of the word Dallas. Okay, and that it I, is cold. That I feel like I could do. Yeah, it is. It is cold blooded. 
There might be one for sale, but I want to run that back. We need to get that back. It just looks. It just feels weird when you buy a T-shirt that is effectively your rival's. Yeah. But it's so. It's such a great logo. They can't have that. They know it too. If it's us, then. Yeah. Um. All right. So, one of the conversations I wanted to get into as we kind of wrap things up, um, we're gonna talk about. Okay, I guess we're gonna talk about Dirk here in a minute. Uh, first two games, and I don't know if there's a ton to dive into because he didn't. He doesn't even have answers right now about uh, his usage and you know how things are going to work out. But uh, to to put a bow on the Luca thing, I, I'm I watch him and I'm like, okay, love what's going on. Easy, obvious yes on guy to build around, guy to give your shot creation to, and I'll give you a little a little throwaway theory of mine too that you don't have to jump on if it doesn't interest you that much. But I think. We judge teams. Okay, you you start making a, an identity of a team, right? What does this team mean? What do this collection of players mean? How do they affect a basketball game? How do they run through eighty-two games and you know measure them up and say you make the playoffs or not? I think the number one thing that we judge a team by, whether you're good, bad, playoff, conference contender, all that kind of crap, is is shot creation. And Luca is our identity now. Because he is the shot creator. So how or what skill, what skill? And then secondarily, what kind of players do you want him to add in terms of a skill that will unlock his game the most? And then what type of player do you think fits best around him? Uh, Well, the latter question first fits best around him. You have to ask if you're talking about one player on both ends of the floor or if that player can be the same player. You know what I mean? Uh-huh. Like if you're obviously he's <laughs> he's really good at creating open threes for people as Barnes's three numbers are much better this year than they were last year and probably they might end up being the best of his career even at an increased volume. You usually don't increase volume and efficiency and he's done both. Yeah. I West think he Matthews, plays with Wes really well. Yeah, no, he's. I I remember saying that before the season when we talked about it that I thought yeah. Wes was going to career from three, and he's certainly going to set his Mavericks uh, high mark. At the same time, I think he also is, as we saw in the reference in the uh, segment we referenced earlier, he can get his role men involved at an elite level. He may turn the ball over a lot in the pick and roll, uh, but I think that's going to get better. So Actually, I know that's going to get better. I'll make it easier on you. Offensively, rank the, like, I guess, one and two things you want to play next to him. I think if you could, well, this is stupid because it, you would say this about anybody no matter who you're talking about, but it would be, I think, if he were able to play with a big that can roll and shoot, you could destroy people. Yeah. Because they're just not going to be able to guard both of those things. Like, in the event that they ended up with a boogie-type player, you, there's just no way to stop that because if he can roll and shoot and Doncic can drive and shoot, that's unstoppable. Uh, I guess I would probably tend toward the big because it seems like there really aren't that many good bigs out there and you're usually sort of RFA or kind of trying to turn this guy into something more than he's been before when it comes to bigs, and I think he can do that. Like I think this, it would, it's not that crazy for me to imagine them ending up with a big that everyone else is unsure can be like a legit starter, and that playing with Doncic makes him so. Yeah. So I guess, but I mean, he makes everybody better. So I really don't. I don't know. It's an interesting question, but I think he makes Finney Smith better yeah. whenever they play together. Uh, yeah. And then defensively, as much as I like having DeAndre when he cares at the rim. Perimeter, perimeter, perimeter. Yeah. Yeah. So, I don't know. Maybe some sort of super 3 and D type player. Uh, Really, like, I like him with Barnes. It's just that Barnes, the ball dies whenever he gets it. Right. So, if you could sort of fix that one part about Barnes, I think they would be kind of a really nice fit together because there are going to be times where possessions die whenever t- teams throw junk defenses at Doncic, and if you you have a guy who can still bully somebody for a bucket when he needs it and can shoot three like Barnes can, it's pretty good. I think, number one, the uh, I, that was interesting what you said about bigs because I think people look across the landscape and they're like, oh, 
there are you know 20 bigs with max contracts the 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 league is good with bigs and i'm like no 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 that's just it's so bad man yeah that's just a unique athlete that you draft high because they are bigs and because we work from an archaic draft structure um of oh just fall back on the big man like you saw it this year <laughs> um and then you end up paying that guy a max cuz he reaches his rookie contract and you're not really sure if he's you know they they soak up a lot of the money but i don't think there are that many bigs in the top 20 to 25 players in the NBA right now. No, it's Jokic. Embiid. It's Embiid. And it's mm. – it depends on – then you get into what do you think of Towns and what do you think yeah. of uh, Gobert and what do you right. think of Capella. Right. And They're all exceptionally limited in some areas. That's what I – exactly. You basically – and even Steven Adams, really, yeah. really good player. Right. The best throwback big in the game. Mm. But I don't think he's close to top 20. Yeah. Or top – 50 yeah 40. I, don't know. I mean he's really good yeah but he's a role player i mean yeah those are role those are absolute role players so it's yo and chris taps when he's healthy yeah certainly be in that conversation but that's about it yeah um so that's i've struggled with that a lot because a lot of people say oh the bigs in the league are better than ever i'm like no they're probably more skilled than they ever have been on the whole but still i think the advancement of the wings and the ball handlers has almost leapt their uh yeah. their ability but um yeah, so I think, yeah, if you had a knockdown shooter big that could roll as well, that'd be neat. But a player like – a guy popped in my head the other day that plays for another team, and I'm not saying we're going to trade for the guy or sign, sign the guy, whatever. He It's Josh Richardson of yeah, the Heat. Yeah. Because he is Wes Matthews in Portland. He plays lockdown defense, great guy and one-on-one defender, great team defender, and – has made leaps and bounds in his three-point shot to where he's a knockdown shooter now. That type of guy. Prime Wes Matthews, which is a guy that got a max contract, so it's kind of difficult to get those guys. I think I, I, I've i been struggling back and forth. That's why I asked you the tough question of, do I want pull-up shooter, or not pull-up, spot-up shooter that can unlock Luka's passing uh, along the perimeter or you know alleviate some of the things that he has to do um, run games on the weak side uh, and get open, or do I want, you know, a big? Do I want an extremely versatile big? And I think those are kind of harder to find almost. Uh, there's just not that many of them. Well, and you also have to figure who's going to – I mean, if he's nominally the offensive point guard, you have to remind yourself of who's going to guard the yeah. other team's point guard, which for now is certainly going to be Dennis. But uh -huh. there's a reason why there's so much – why people keep asking us about Bradley Beal. Right, because I think that type of player with Luca would be ridiculous. Uh, yeah. uh, and then now he's a max player. Yeah. So there's a reason why he is, and there's a reason why you know his team doesn't want to trade him. But I think that'd have to be the big is probably the direction I would go. If you look at the entire league, the Mavericks actually right now, if we look at catch and shoot shots, have the highest percentage of their catch and shoot shots that are unguarded. That's awesome. Now, let me flip back to last year real quick and see. They're always pretty good at this in this uh -huh. category because, you know, Rick. Uh -huh. uh, but last year, they finished 15th. And this year, they have jumped to number one. Yeah, I mean, 15th on a bottom three team in the league is, yeah, that's something you just hang your hat on, I guess. But you look at the teams that are at the top, and Portland's number two. They get to the paint and break it down. Houston is number three. They get to the paint. They break it down. Indiana is number four. They have a guard that can get to the paint. Yeah. And that's really all it is. Yeah. I just, I, now that we know what Luka is and what the career arc should be and that he can be built around, that's that should be the goal going forward. Every, every acquisition you make should come with the uh, secondary question of, okay, number one, evaluate the player. Tell me what you think of this guy. How does he fit? Do we have the money for it, et cetera? And then the secondary thing is, I don't know if there's a guy in the league that I would say wouldn't fit with Luca. Yeah. But how does he bring the best out of him? Well, I mean, I think it starts with, especially if Junior's here, and in, let's say five years from now, for whatever reason or something, he's not. It, do, it It's not that I don't want someone else that needs the ball. Yeah. Or that is good with the ball. That's silly. Just someone that can play off ball effectively. Yes. Yeah. You don't I mean, I think we can have two we can say two things at once. You yeah. can say, I would like to have guys who can make plays when the ball is in their hands. 
while also acknowledging that we don't just have a guy who kind of needs the ball in his hands here. Like, this is a guy who is has Hall of Fame potential when it comes to creating for others. Yeah. This is not just, this is not like Emmanuel Moutier and you're like, oh, <laughs> should we draft another guard? I mean, yeah. Well, it's not even like Dennis last year. Right. It's like, not that. He needs the ball as much as possible at like a very high, again, he's like 90th percentile of guys you want having the ball in their hands. Yeah. And at some point it starts to become diminishing returns for it not to be. Yeah. I mean, on court, for a team that's, you know, 500, somewhere around their team, uh, threatening for the playoffs, plus 0. 0.8 per 100 possessions. Off court, negative 5.9 Yeah, for Luka this season. So I just want everybody to get their mind around what we're seeing and appreciate it a little bit and think about how we go forward with it. Because this season's going to get a little weird over the next month with the schedule that's happening. Um, it's going to test your... Test your resolve to look for positive things. I would I would say just because the schedule is really really difficult, man, until like January twentieth. Um, but uh, okay, final thing that we can touch on. What have you thought of Dirk uh, in his first couple games? And I'll give you a little insight of what he said last night. He, I mean, he's super frustrated with it right now. Um, Dirk's never gonna be salty. He's never gonna be rude to the uh to the media or even if you ask a dumb question but right now is as close to that as he's been um i think it was sefco last night that was like he asked a pretty harmless question but it was okay how cognizant are you of not disrupting the good mojo that's going with the second unit the bench unit yeah um and not taking minutes away from pal and not taking minutes away from maxi and just that's kind of how we've won games a lot of Mm -hmm. A lot of the nights is the second you to come in there and Dirk was like, I don't have a good answer for you. Yeah. I don't know how to answer that. I'm trying, you know, to get back and he's only playing first halves and it's, you know, six to 10 minutes at a time, but, uh, he, he's fighting it a little bit and he's, he gets in his head a lot. I mean, if you're a longtime Mavericks fan, you know, the dude fought a lot of demons for a lot of years and now he's more comfortable in being himself and, you know, all of the above, but. It's, uh, I don't like seeing him like that. <laughs> it just kind of hurts, but I think there's a role of positive role for him around the corner. Well, two of his shots last night looked like they were about halfway down. Yeah, dude, it was and rattled out. So if centimeter you, off shot, you, know, you knock down both of those and you're three for four. Yeah. And you know, no one's asking that question. Decent rebounding numbers last night too. That was one. Yeah. He, it obviously looks a little rough getting up and down the floor, but I didn't think his, I don't think his shot has looked bad. No. Um, just whenever he's sitting at the top of the three-point line and the ball goes flying by and he thinks his legs are moving, but they're not moving yet. Yeah. And he's like, ah! Yeah, I don't, uh, I don't foresee it being an issue. It's a little bit tricky for Rick. Yeah. Just having to figure out, you know, we're trying to win now. Um, and I think that... Their depth is a, getting tested in the wrong area right yeah, now. Yeah, and there's a way that they could probably win now at the end of the year better at a higher clip if they do have the good version of Dirk, but do they have to go through the bad version of Dirk to get to that? Do they have to let him play through it? Yeah. Um, and there's no way to simulate it. No. I mean, you got to get out there and run for five, five to 15 minutes at a time straight. Uh, and to get any kind of positive out of him in the end and let him do, and that's without the overarching, let the man do whatever the hell he wants. He's 40. He's been here 21 seasons. Like, he wants to go out there, and we owe it to him to let him get back into his peak form. So uh, it would be so much easier right now if <laughs> you can't trade injuries, obviously. You can't go, no, fix that guy and let this guy sit out a couple games. But they're deep in stretch four through five uh, in bigs, and they're kind of light on the point guards, and what we're getting tested on right now is the point guards. Yeah. So it's just hitting the wrong area, but that's what happens with every team every season. Yeah, it'll be it'll be interesting to see how it shakes out. And really, I'm not going to judge what he looks like until Berea is back. Yeah, because the first game was, I think Brunson didn't know, well, what is this guy doing out here? Why is he spotting up at the top of the three-point line? Am I supposed to give him the ball right now? Like, what's happening? Berea, when Berea is back, you'll have a better feel for... Yeah. They know where to... He knows how to get him to his spots. 
Yeah. All right, so just to read off the schedule that's coming up, tomorrow is at Denver. Well, well, they're all above you in the stands. <laughs> you, get, you get another one of these. We, we did this earlier where you were about to play six teams in the West that were higher than you in the standings. We went four and two in that run. So I don't I don't know. I have I have faith. I'm just realistically you're not going to be favored in these games. Uh, I guess is the best way to put it. Uh, Denver tomorrow. Clippers Thursday. Uh, Warriors Saturday. And then a nice back-to-back. <laughs> Warriors Trailblazers where Portland's where win streaks go to die. Um, they're awesome in that building. And then you got a fun little quirky Pelicans, Pelicans, Thunder, Thunder. You get some kind of reprieve traveling to Charlotte for the Hornets game. Maybe. And then you get Boston at Boston. Then you get uh, Process at Process. And then you get Lakers here who have kicked our ass twice. Then you get the Suns who you just can't beat for some reason. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, and then it's just it – just, it's a long stretch until, let's see, end of January when you start getting, like, Knicks, Pistons, Cavs, Hornets. You get the East again. Yeah, you get the East again. So it's just – this their season will be defined in the next two to three weeks. And uh, hopefully it's – we're still have some outside shot of the playoffs, you know, because uh, we're going to figure out what they are. The best version of this, I think the most realistic, is for them to get the first two of the road trip. Yeah. Because then you stop the bleeding and you don't have to be pressing to go to Golden State on a Saturday night and you don't have to win a back-to-back. Right, and you can sit people in Golden State. Yeah. Like if Dennis, for some reason, comes back, you can sit him out in Golden State. You can Dirt. sit Brea, Maxi, Dirk. You can Whatever. choose your spots. Yeah, and, and Maxi's Maxie's hurting, by the way. Just a little insider trading uh, info. His uh, his his legs, I don't know if it's his knee specifically or his feet now, but he's 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 fighting through some stuff. So he could use a couple days off, but uh, obviously he's uh, this is his career, so he wants to play every single game and and he's free. Yeah, and uh, he's got a contract coming up, and you know he's worked a long way to get to this point where he had the right to be an NBA free agent. So I can't doubt. You know, I have no uh, no quarrels with him playing through injury and trying to put up best numbers, and he's still pretty effective on uh, on a night to night basis. So anyway, all right, thought that was fun, man. Um, thank you for listening, Jacob. Thank you for your time, man. Get me uh, out of Twitter jail. <laughs> dust cubes. Should have cyber dust. Please. Bro, gotta get on the dust.